Hello, this is Brad Whitford of Aerosmith and the Whitford St. Holmes Band, and this is Iron City Rock. Hey, it's Mark and John from Dirty Honey, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Yeah. Welcome to episode 439 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 439, we are joined for the second time by Dirty Honey frontman Mark LaBelle. Uh, they were on episode 417, if my memory is correct. Uh, if you go back and look at last summer, I believe it was in July, uh, he and John were on the show. A uh, band that is certainly on the rise had great success with uh, their first single "When I'm Gone" and their follow-up single "Rolling Sevens. Um, if you had a chance to check out the version of "Last Child," a cover of Aerosmith, uh, everything is just clicking on all cylinders for them. And uh, unfortunately, the, the COVID-19 pandemic kind of brought every band to a screeching halt uh, and is kind of delaying their first full-length album. Uh, which is obviously uh, something a lot of people are looking forward to. So I had a chance to catch up to Mark in these kind of unusual times, talk about things that were going on, uh, Harley-Davidson's uh, series they did uh, on YouTube. You can catch It's kind of a, a mini-concert they did in, a, in a, somebody's basement. Really cool to watch. We talked about that in, in uh, great length and also the new album. So without further ado, we're going to play a little taste of their uh, version of Aerosmith's classic Last Child from the Rocks album. This is uh, Dirty Honey's rendition of that uh, awesome song. We're going to get into that interview with Michael Bell. Thank you. 
Ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome back to Iron City Rocks from the band Dirty Honey. We have Mark LaBelle on the line. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing well. Well, thanks for taking the time to do this. These are obviously very different times for a musician. And I know you guys had, had kind of taken some time. You were going to be going out on the road. You were supposed to be coming back into Pittsburgh, actually, in May uh, to do a show. And I guess now, obviously, that's kind of in the dumper. Um everything's sort of in, in limbo as a musician but I wanted to ask I know you guys were working on yeah, you know, I mean, a full length album what what this is like for you it's actually been uh, a pretty productive last couple of weeks considering you know I mean right now we were supposed to be just pretty much getting back from Australia to make the record but the, the time we've been given has actually been a nice um time to sort of reflect uh, A, and, and B, really get to work on, on songwriting and, you know, being forced out nothing to do. Um, you know, you can only watch shit on Netflix, you know, so many times before you, you really get down to work and focus on what's important. And, uh, you know, that's making a great record that, that people will respond to once we get out of this thing. And, and we've been using our time wide getting the work so uh, obviously we, we saw in your, your Harley Davidson sessions which was I don't know, a week or so back uh, you guys, guys did a really cool uh, performance but are you guys kind of held up together or are you at individual locations and kind of have to you know set aside time to come together or, or you know are you co-writing yeah we're, we're all separated and uh, you know everybody lives in LA so everybody's at their own apartment and uh, doing their thing and you know when we decide to get together we obviously all get together and go into John John has a small sort of home studio set up at his place so we all meet there and write and demo stuff and figure it out that way is it is it weird I mean you, you know you hear artists say they have their whole life t- to write their debut and you have X number of months to you know write the follow up and you guys were really on pace to have very little time you know, in, in hindsight, to, to write it out, but to be able to have this, you know, a very negative, but to give you this kind of time and perspective, and obviously there's a million things in the in the news to write up, you know, material for songs. Um, this is sure. kind of a, a luxury, I think. I don't want to call it a luxury because it's it's certainly not a luxury because you're you're losing your livelihood of being able to tour. But to have this much time has got to be uh, almost unheard of in today's record industry. Yeah, and you know, I feel like um, it's been, you know, assuming you use you use the time wisely, it, it is a good thing um, for you know uh, writing music. Obviously, um, I my sort of assembly line is I like to hear demos and I like to perform stuff live before you even record it. Anyway, so we'd already been doing a little of that on tour. We've been playing some new stuff and you know, fine tuning it every night and adding a little something. If, if, you know, we, we thought certain songs needed things or, we, you know, I would change a lyric to a song all the time um, on the road. And, you know, I like that sort of thing. So to now, you know, you've already performed. It's, it's not going to have the luxury of the time to to really perfect it just the way you want to. And, and right now, literally I'm on a motorcycle trip right now and, and I'm listening to all our demos and, 
you know, really familiarizing myself with not only the lyrical content, but the arrangements and, you know, seeing, I can listen to it a thousand times, you know, between now and when I go home and, and, uh, you know, really decide if I like it, first of all. So, um, you know, that part's good, but yeah, obviously not touring, we're not making any money. So yeah, it's hard to keep the train rolling when you don't have anything coming in. Yeah. And I think that's, it's kind of a misconception in, you know, for those of us who maybe grew up in the 80s and the 90s, when you think of a musician, you know, because we know your band name, you know, and you're out there and, you know, people recognize the band now, people assume you've got buckets of money coming in and that's, you know, couldn't be further from the truth in a lot of cases. So it's, it's, it's unfortunate for, you know, musicians at every level. You know, you have obviously people who tour with you to sell merch and, you know, your band and, uh, it's, it's just bad for every every aspect but you know to try to find that silver lining if it gives you time to hone you know great songs and the time to you know really focus on that craft I guess you just make the best of what you can um, when you, you you mentioned and I think when we talked last year you had mentioned you guys you know we'll, we'll sprinkle in some new stuff into your set do you ever have apprehension doing that because of, of the fact that you know there's Two, three hundred people with cameras pointing at you, you know, at some gigs that you know that, you know, maybe before a song is, is, you know, ready to be put down for all of time, that, you know, you, you may not want to see that video on YouTube until you've really had a chance to perfect the song. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I like seeing people's faces when you perform something, and it, it really is a, a, a telling thing you know, most people don't have a good poker face, right? So if, if you're performing something and they don't like it, I can see that. Or if they're loving it, I can see that too. Um, and there, you know, sometimes there, there is sort of a grayness to that where they're just trying to take it all in and enjoy it for what it is rather than, you know, um, emote, whether that's happy, sad or indifferent, whatever. Um, so that can be somewhat confusing, but for the most part, I think we're often judging the crowd and seeing if they like it or not. But um, yeah, at the same time, it's I went on to see if anybody captured one of the chains that, that we've been performing live, and it was one of the ones that you know we were sort of sussing out on the road, and and I was changing some things, changing the chorus and changing some lyrics and <laughs> some comments about people. They're like, oh, I thought this was called whatever it was called and now that now it's called this and like, I think I like the other one better and the other guy's like ah, it starts to get a little confusing uh you know as an artist and getting that fan immediate fan feedback um but you know ultimately I, I like it um and, and I think we all do too we can pretty much tell you know if people are, are feeling something and if we should continue to fine-tune it was there a point where i mean you guys you know you were out on the road and you've been doing shows obviously long before you know many people in america frankly knew your names um and obviously the songs you know rolling sevens and, and when i'm gone have garnered a lot of attention um was there a point where you started to feel you know you went from being this kind of anonymous band that maybe were opening for someone or anonymous band kind of coming into a town doing a club to where people came to watch you and were into it from the very first notes because they came to see you did you feel kind of a tipping point yeah that whole last tour we just did was kind of um 
it was pretty eye-opening just you know you're going into these cities that some of them we'd, we'd been to and some of them we hadn't um for instance like we opened the, the tour in austin texas and one of my best friends lives there and he's been coming to shows you know for a long time you know when we were playing in la at like little places where people like didn't know who we were but you know to go into his hometown and have you know three four five people show up and like know the words to you know scars which was the song we were opening the the tour with and and seeing him being like what the hell is going on here like this is crazy like my my friend is doing something here that seems to be pretty special like that was that was pretty cool and then you know the whole tour it really was like a snowball effect where just every city was getting better and better and better and until we got home to LA where it culminated with like an awesome, you know, pretty big sold out show and um the excitement was real and by the time we, we got done with that, um my dad was at that LA show and he was like super emotional because it you know, seeing your son work so hard for something um, and, and seeing some level of success when the odds are really stacked against you is, is pretty cool. So uh, that that whole tour was definitely like, you know, eye opening for us. Like, wow. We're definitely like doing something. Yeah, so. it, it, I often wondered that with the bands, you know, and, and we frankly haven't had a lot of rock bands for a while kind of go through that, you know. I mean, there's been a few here and there, but. Um, not nearly enough that are kind of carrying the, the torch for this kind of music. Um, were your parents, you know, I, I know you grew up in a very athletic background. You seemed like a lot of families were that you, you might have been kind of pegged to be the hockey player. Or I think you played lacrosse as well. Um, was when, when you decided, you know, I want to make a, a go at being a professional musician, um, was that met with, you know, from from a family standpoint, was there some concern? You know, what's Mark getting himself into, or um, was there ever thoughts of you trying to play a professional, you know, hockey or lacrosse? Not really professional anything. I mean, lacrosse obviously doesn't. There, there's not much of a professional league unless like you're the very very top. You know, people hockey. You can. You know, I, I have friends. Rod Stewart's son is is a good buddy of mine, and who's you know made a living um, as a professional hockey player. You know, in in Europe and here in uh, here in the states, he's played in Spokane, Washington, um, for their minor league team or ECHL or something. But you know, th- there is a living to be had there um, in, in the world of hockey, which I, I certainly am not good enough to to go down that road um i i had stopped hockey um you know not stopped but i still play all the time but i i stopped playing you know competitively in, in a way to like pursue it into college or something you know at, at the end of high school so um when i really got to italy when i when i lived in italy for a second and I decided I wanted to pursue music and, and then moved to L.A. shortly after. But, you know, my parents didn't really know that's what I was doing in L.A. I was, I was kind of veiled in this, like, try and get a job on a TV show working in production or something. Um, and, you know, and all the while, you know, I, I was I was making, you know, a, a valiant effort to try and get something going um, out here. But, you know, honestly, like, I had to get good at singing and performing um, 
before any of that could really become a reality. I mean, I think that, you know, we might have that, that thing about us that it's like, Oh, they're kind of an overnight success sort of thing. But you know, there's, there's a lot of effort and time behind what we're doing and, and getting to, getting to a place where Dirty Honey has a recipe that's identifiable in, in the songwriting and the performance, you know, that, that doesn't yeah. just like happen. Yeah. You know, I, I, I listen to you sing and I think if you didn't know what you were doing, you probably wouldn't get into the second song of the set. Um, you know, there's a lot of people I think out there, you know, your voice to me, I always think of Brian Johnson when I hear you sing and that, that, that's a compliment. I assure you, but you're not a, you know, you try to sing along, you know, a hack like myself, you know, puts your music on the, you know, the Amazon echo and tries to sing along and your horse is held halfway through the next song. Um, you know, and and I, I really enjoyed it in the Harley Davidson sessions you guys did, because it gave you know the way the camera kind of spun around at first was like, well, this is kind of it felt like you're standing there watching you guys rehearse, but to watch Corey and Justin and John, the musicality of that, you know, and it's a kind of a no BS sort of thing. It takes you back to when you're hanging out with your buddies' bands in high school and watching them play. But you guys, you know, there's nobody kind of taking it easy. You know, you might think, okay, a you know, bass player might be playing something simple, but Justin's bass lines are not simple. Corey's, you know, looked like Neil Peart, you know, with a relatively small kit, but his arms are, you know, constantly accenting on cymbals. You know, it's there's a lot of uh, a lot of work that goes into that. Um, your voice was it was it something God given, or, or did you um, did you take lessons? I didn't take lessons. I started doing these vocal warm-ups um, several years ago that I would just do them before a show and just get ready. You know, just from singers that I, I like, you know, like Brian Johnson, and, you know, insert any classic rock singer's name there. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think... Uh, we would be doing, you know, gigs over three, four hours a night, and you do, you know, do those three in a row over Thursday night. Uh, by, by Sunday morning, you're not feeling too great. And, and I was like, just help my endurance. Is there something I can do with breathing or something? And I, I found these, these exercises that I do. It's only like a 20 minute thing. And, um, you know, I, once I did them every day for a month, and I noticed. I had a little bit more agility with, with the voice. Um, we keep going down this road, but I've been doing it ever since. So, you know, was it God-given? I don't know. I, you know, I sang to a lot of ACDC records in my car, very loud, you know, uh, growing up. Um, and I think, and I think, you know, there's some sort of, like, mixture there where it's, there's Chris Cornell. I'll say to Chris Cornell, Tyler and Brian Johnson and Robert Plant and all those things sort of are in there making up my voice, you know, and I think it's uh, been, been made up over time, you know, just screaming along those records. Yeah, and I, I love the fact you guys tackled the uh, Last Child, um, which I think is, is is one of the most badass Aerosmith songs, and, and it was a, a really cool choice because it's, it's song's got such a funk and, and Steven's voice, your voice, that's a really nice, uh, you know, complimentary thing. It turned out great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the last trial was great. We, we would have loved to do that for the Harley, uh, session, but, um, 
you know, I, I, you know, I don't know why we didn't, we, we just had to fill 30 minutes, but, uh, yeah. And I loved what you said about just the single camera thing. It, we just wanted it to feel like it was live, like you were fly on the wall, you know, in our rehearsal space. And, uh, you know, I think we achieved that on some level. Yeah. It reminded me so much of, like I said, when, when you know, when you were, when you're younger and you're in a band and you're just in somebody's basement, I, I I had to chuckle. I think it's the first time I remember seeing a video from a band that had a hot water tank in it. You know, the shots of John when he was doing his guitar stuff, and I look behind him and there's the hot water tank. I'm like, this is this is real, and that's what I love about it. You know, that just uh, it made for a really cool thing. Um, do you guys kind of have a timetable of when you'll go and do the proper studio recording of the album, or is that sort of in the limbo as well? It's kind of in limbo, but we're we're hoping for um, for maybe June, if not earlier. Um, it was to, I mean, it was supposed to be done right now. So, um, you know, we're but you know, at the same time, we're working on more stuff that might it, it you know it'll make what we wanted the number of songs that we wanted to put out. Maybe it'll make them better, or we'll write some stuff that's you know, I think there, there's definitely a wealth of material that's that's really good. Um, our producer was just like, you know, you guys are way ahead of where you were when we went in the studio last time. So, you know, that's obviously encouraging. And and the longer we wait, you know, the stuff is just going to get better. And um, we're just trying to figure out logistics. Like, are we going to go to Australia? Are we going to go to a studio in L.A.? Is, is our producer going to come from Australia to California? Like, what are we going to do? You know, we, we're just playing a waiting game with all that stuff. Yeah, this is, I think, is just like purgatory for bands, you know, because so many times, you know, when bands are working, everything is mapped out, you know. Uh, you know, you're going to do this run and go into the studio, do that run, going to do these festivals in Europe, and, and it's all just blown up right now. So, uh, you know, we just... Wish you the best. We hope you guys uh, stay safe and, you know, just let let you know that when you guys get the album out, I'm sure America is going to love it. So I want to thank you so much, Mark. I'm pretty confident of it. And, uh, I, you know, I already, I already know, you know, a, a good uh, chunk of what's, what's coming from us, and I'm really excited about it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident our fans are going to really enjoy it and hopefully we'll get some new ones from it too so. yeah all right well we'll see you when, eventually when you get into pittsburgh we'll we'll see and we'll be here ready and waiting for you all right all right i can't wait you know i love pittsburgh so i can't wait to get back there and uh i'll be rocking some black and yellow when i do big thank you to mark labelle dirty honey uh, you can get their uh debut ep is available now features when i'm gone rolling sevens uh tremendous listening uh great to see a, a band of Young men making, uh, you know, just killer rock and roll. There's really no no simpler way to say it. Just killer rock and roll. Uh, expect really great things from them. Uh, and it's great to see a band carrying the torch, you know, for just full-on rock and roll uh, here in the year 2020. As I mentioned, unfortunately, COVID has kind of jacked up everybody's schedules for the year. But hopefully we'll get that... Uh, debut full-length album from the band before too long and we'll see them back in pittsburgh they had been scheduled to come into pittsburgh when we arranged the interview obviously the whole tour got derailed uh but uh, john i'm sorry mark was uh, kind enough to come on and do this sh- uh interview with us 
Uh, he's a big fan of Pittsburgh Penguins hockey, so it was uh, great to get a chance to talk to him again. So, again, be sure to check out episode 417 from July if you're if you're uh, interested in Dirty Honey. We had a long interview with uh, Mark and John Nota, the lead guitarist. Uh, we're both kind enough to join me for that interview, so I invite you to check that out as well. You can go to ironcityrocks.com. We're on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, are all forward slash Iron City Rocks. You can hit us up at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Love to hear your thoughts on the music. Uh, until next time, I want to thank you so much. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.